live from the J.C. Newman Cigar Studio in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Smokin' Nicole. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Smokin' Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokinTobacco.com. I'm joined once again by my lovely wife, Smokin' Nicole, who's here with me. Um, we have an exciting show for you tonight. We have Alec Cuevas of Casa Cuevas Cigars joining us in just a moment. Uh, we're going to be lighting up the Sangre Nueva, which is his new cigar, which we'll talk more about. Um, but with that, welcome to the show, guys. Good evening. Hello. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening, if you're listening later on the podcast network. Also, shout out to J.C. Newman. We're in the J.C. Newman Cigar Studios. It is Bricktoberfest all October long. For the past five years, the month of October has been synonymous with Bricktoberfest for J.C. Newman Cigar Co. Each year, J.C. Newman launches a new brick house branded beer stein which consumers can get with a seven cigar purchase at participating retail locations this year the stein is a one liter das boot and is decorated with the Brickhouse vista and dated with bricktoberfest 2022 so go ahead over to jc newman cigars or go to your local brick and mortar retailer and carries jc newman which most of them do you can find the Brickhouse cigars today great cigars check them out also tonight we will be cutting and lighting our cigars our cigar blondie accessories cutters the fantastic super sharp cutter lighter with its signature blade flame and its sleek design head over to cigarblondie.com today to check those out so nicole how's your week been it's been good i missed the show last week i had to work sorry about that um and this week i feel like it's been a never-ending week to be honest oh yeah i'm being really honest it's been a really draggy week i'm tired today i just took a nap before the show also gonna you know who naps before the show who coop really yeah so you're getting into i feel like getting into old man coop territory with the afternoon nap man i mean i just once i hit this decade i just i'm tired all of the time i'm probably over exaggerating but i'm pretty tired i mean you're 30 you're not how old is coop 58 56 i feel like i'm as old as coop so (laughs) yeah because I know there's been times with, like, before Spare Notes or, like... Actually, no, because Spare Notes, he usually does jukebox. But before, like, this show... Like, right now, I think he's napping. Because he, then he goes on at 10. And there's been times where I've tried to talk to him in between this show and his show. And he'll be like, sorry, I was napping. I'm getting ready for the show. And I'm like, oh, okay. Or he was eating dinner and then he was napping or vice versa. So I don't know how I feel about the nap because now I'm more tired, to be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, you have coffee. You I tried. I'm, I'm trying to wake up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just been a very long week at work. So, um, yeah. As always, As it's always long for you. You got a lot going on. You got a lot of people you got to deal with. Um, for those of you who don't know, I manage a spa. And so I manage 29 women, can, which can be difficult within itself. Um, especially, it tends to be dramatic. But then we also deal with other situations. So this week, um, and unfortunately, I cannot name names of the business and whatnot but you can't give any information away. i can't give any information away however i had a situation where a gentleman um, who came in for a massage relieved himself on the table um so i had to deal with that fun um <laughs> today nice. um and that happens more often than you think um <laughs> that's <laughs> that's know. great that's just <laughs> so that's been my week um and obviously there's a lot of hr paperwork to fill out when that happens who so. cleans up the mess so the massage therapist had to fill it up, clean it up, excuse me, fill it up. Um, he had to clean it up. It was there on the table. He like lifted up the sheet and there it was. 
That's one hell of a not massage. Okay. Had to ban him, of course. And so it wasn't a happy ending. The guy did it to himself. He did it to himself. Yeah. That's one hell I of guess. a massage. He said, and he actually turned to the therapist and said it was the best massage he ever had. So <laughs> I'd, say so. I'd <laughs> say so. I would say so. Um, and then he found that. So <laughs> I would say um, so. It was probably like, oh, okay. It's not so much of a yeah, surprise now. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's it's definitely weird. Um, Especially when they feel super uncomfortable in the room, I have to do a little bit of bouncing. So if they, like the therapists, feel uncomfortable, they I tell them, leave the room, come find me. And the next thing that person hears is me knocking on the door telling them to put their clothes on. And I'm like, hey, it's the manager. Can you come out and have a chat with me? Um, so it's a very oh, interesting this industry isn't that kind to of be place. in. Yeah, this <laughs> is not that kind of place because we are in a high-end place and the amount of people that try to pull that is kind of wild. So... Um, but maybe they think money talks. I don't know. <laughs> I think that there's a lot more of those places around than people realize. And the so, hole in the wall places. Yeah, and I think that I think that um, you know um, some people just have this expectation, like, oh, hey, well, you know, let's let's just. Um, I think they try. It let's to just see try. If they can get away. And it. I, I, yeah, I think they think and that some people are just like, nah, all right. Like it's part of the job, and it's like not everybody does that. No, and the prices we're charging that is not, and we're in a very you know well-known high-end sort of establishment, so <laughs> it just baffles me um, that yeah, <laughs> then that can happen. So anyway, you know sometimes but, that's that that's some people's only way of getting any kind of intimacy in life. They just have to they have to go to a massage place. And I know, but it's illegal. <laughs> so you know there's that anyway i think so that's been my my week and um it's obviously extra stressful when stuff like that happens so i thought this was the bro so you're in the bro no i don't know this is the broken chair because the back thing is hanging off i know we have to get new chairs for the studio but anyway we should welcome our guest on we should <laughs> i just this chair is just throwing me for a loop here all right without further ado we're going to bring him on alec cuevas from casa cuevas cigars uh, joins us. He's been on the show before, uh, which I think was about two years ago now. So he's making his return finally, uh, and he's got something new to share with us. And that's, as I said before, the Sangre Nueva. That is, uh, it translates to new blood, if I remember correctly, right, Alec? Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's great to have you on. You, you and your dad were on before. Um, I think it was St. Patrick's Day because you guys were having a party in your backyard. It might have been. that oh, correctly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was well. You have impeccable memory, yeah. That was well. I just remember you guys were partying, and it was green. It was one of those things that uh, me and my father obviously we had no clue was happening. My mom orchestrated the whole thing, so next thing you know, people were just coming over with all sorts of foods, all sorts of you know beverages and whatnot. So it became a little bit hectic, and it was unbeknownst to me and my father. So go figure. But yeah, that was uh, that's exactly what it was. (laughs) It was a little St. Patty's party. Yep. It's a great time. It's a good excuse to drink. It's a good excuse to let loose, just hang out. I'm half um, Irish. That's that's my blood's holiday, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it, Nicole, you know, she, you know, St. Patrick's Day is a special day in this house, I'll tell you. I mean, the whiskey comes out and, you know, it's it gets wild. But, you know, that's what happens. Um, and then, of course, we have the Italian side. Amazing mm-hmm. stuff comes out of that kitchen. So uh, it, it balances itself out. It's It's a nice mixture. Um, but no, we're here. We're here today to talk about you. Uh, last time you guys were on, um, I think it was before PCA 2021, which we didn't see you guys at. We saw you at PCA. We saw you at PCA this year. We saw you at TPE this year. 
Uh, PCA, you guys debuted this cigar, the Sangre Nueva, which is your new cigar. This is a cigar that you worked on personally. Um, tell us a little bit about this cigar. What uh, you know, what is it? What was the inspiration behind it? Kind of the the whole story on it. So the works and the relation to the cigar is, um, and you'll hear me say this time and time again, very much a tribute to my family, specifically my father and my grandfather for all that they've taught me. But it's also a cigar that I pay tribute in relation to this industry. Um, the reason I say that is because I'm a very, very young face. And despite me being so young, I've never once felt extremely intimidated by this industry or in general, just smoking a cigar. And um, if anything else, this industry has been very welcoming. Um, and it's something that I've enjoyed for the past five years in terms of having this brand. So Sangre Nueva is a very, very special project uh, to which I was also then promoted as the director of brand development going forward. So I will have more cigars coming out further on beyond just this project. However, it was my first footprints uh, that legitimately solidified my placement within this industry and what it means to me. Yeah, it's got to be special. You know, we, we've seen this time and time again, a lot of the manufacturers are family-owned businesses right i mean and there's and, and i and you know who all of your peers are in the industry i mean you have i mean pick a family you got the perdomo family the fuente family yeah. your own family placencia family the garcia family i mean and there's a lot of right now one of the things that i noticed at pca this year actually was a lot of a lot of you guys the thirds and even even fourth generation uh family members who are a part of the industry part of their family business or even, you know, becoming cigar makers themselves um, and working on blending and working on rolling and all this other stuff down in the factory, not just, you know, hi, my, you know, family has this brand and I'm working here and that's great. But like, no, you're, you guys are working with tobacco. Uh, Lito Gomez Jr. at La Flor Dominicana. Yeah. He worked on the Soli that's coming out the, in any time now in the next couple of weeks. Um, mm -hmm. he, he's around your age. He's part of that generation. You see uh, Carlito's got Carlos III kind of bringing him into the mix now. I know I'm pretty sure the uh, George Padron's kids are somewhat involved in the business too, if I remember correctly. I so. so so a lot of you guys are all in this together and you and you you're the new you're the wave of the next generation that that has now come into the scene here. And uh, now here you are with your cigar that you have. Uh, so it, it's it's nice. It's nice uh, to me. I think it's a nice presence to see fresh younger faces. Um as a new generation and as a younger member of not just as a younger cigar smoker, but, you know, obviously someone who's a manufacturer and part of the industry. Um, do you see from your point of view, do you see a lot more younger people? You know, when I say younger, I say, let's say 32 and under, you know, obviously above the age of 21 that are getting more and more into cigars. Yes, very much so, um, which is something that I've always found to be, well, first off, exhilarating, but also fascinating as well. Um, a big portion of, I guess you can call it a, essentially a side goal of mine is personally getting more of the younger folk away from all the other things you could potentially smoke at this day and age and gravitating more towards cigars. Um, because I believe that there's a stigma around cigars that it's for the more experienced gentlemen, it's for celebratory purposes. And while that is necessarily true, it's also a very much untapped market similar to craft beer when it comes to younger individuals. So as I've been doing this um, more and more in relation towards different events and whatnot, I have seen more younger individuals gravitating towards cigars and genuinely going for things that are boutique or relatively new that they've never picked up on, which is why I think this PCA was tremendous because there are a lot of younger faces now coming out with their own proper cigars 
And that is a great way to kind of introduce it towards that younger market in particular, that 32 and under range. Uh, eligible still to smoke, mind you, not not anything below 21. Right. So, yeah. I, yeah. Now, what, now, what's been, what do you think the key is to bringing in that demographic of smokers into the industry that maybe, you know, previously in other generations, that, that age bracket didn't really exist. Uh, do, do you think that it's, you know, the technology and, and, and the social media and stuff that, that kind of gets in between the influencing of them? Or do you think it's just it's just as something that's the industry itself is growing and now it's just caught on with the younger generation? I mean, what what is it from from your point of view? I feel as if this industry is is has been, better said, very well established and still is in relation towards the experienced smokers and those that are willing to pick up new things. For the younger folk, I agree with you completely, Matt. I really do believe a lot of it is based around social media. So things similar to this, for example, where they see somebody as young as myself talking about the cigar, actually smoking a cigar with you guys. It's something that they get to chime in on, get more interesting notes off in relation towards information and just an educational standpoint. And that kind of gets their gears going. And next thing you know, they want to try a cigar or they want to experience the culture aspect of it. Uh, Social media has a huge part to play these days in relation to that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, and and especially you know we've seen it in the last couple of years even more so with you know when the pandemic began, you know everything was online because there was just no other way, uh, yeah. which we have we've always been kind of saying which it was always been good for the industry right it was it was something that the industry kind of really lacked and then when it was like all right you have no choice but to do like everything you can online, um, it, it kind of forced the cigar industry to like embrace that whole medium so to speak. And now it's, yeah. it's definitely stayed with us and it, it's been great. So, um, and you guys have a great, I just want to give a quick shout out cause I have to, a shout out to Gabe, to Gabriel. He, he t- takes care of all your, all your social media and all your, all your other stuff like that. He works with a couple other brands too, but I know he works really close with you guys and he's great. He's phenomenal. So just a shout out to him, um, for always being such a great help to us and for a, a great help to you guys as well. Cause I mean, you guys are busy down there making cigars. You can't be all over this thing all the time. <laughs> Very true. And yeah, he, he's extremely good at what he does. Um, that's something that we do not take for granted in the slightest. Um, and it's something that we'll talk about very frequently on a very biweekly basis. He'll call me and we'll just talk numbers in relation towards social media, uh, certain views in relation to videos or whether photos work. So it, truth be told, if it wasn't for Gabe's knowledge in relation towards how the actual analytical stats work for that sort of stuff, we would not have the, um, I guess, the the visual output that we currently carry as of the moment. Yeah, I've had some great conversations with him over the last couple of years, you know, working with him and getting to know him better. And, you know, we've hung out a few times at, down at, um, down at Empire, which I know mm-hmm. you know really well, um, yeah. you know, which he, and he handles all their stuff too. So, uh, you know, just a great conversation with him, the stuff he, that he knows and he's been able to share with me and his past experiences. Um, he's a phenomenal guy. So I just, I had to give him a shout out. He, he helped, he helped me with this show today and, um, and everything that it took to prepare the show. So I just wanted to give him a quick shout out, uh, this size that I'm smoking. I, I, are you smoking the Sanguine Nueva? As of right now, yes, I'm smoking the Robusto size currently. So you're smoking the Robusto. We're smoking the new, the double perfecto. Now th- this size, was this at PCA? I don't remember. Yes, it was. Um, in relation to samples and sadly of the bunch, about two bundles worth of that one were just dried out and cracked. Um, so we were very much embarrassed to give those puppies out, so to speak. I, I don't blame but, um, you, and it's tough in Vegas. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, they were there at PCA, yes, sir. 
Now, when did I know that the cigar is out now? When did these officially ship? Those officially shipped actually on my birthday, September 9th. Uh, is when they officially hit our shelves and we were able to start distributing. So a nice. good amount of time from when PCA began, so to speak. And I remember the last time you were on here, you and your dad was on with you, and you guys, I think we were smoking, I think we were smoking the Flacos, the the, uh, the Lonsdales. Yep. And the Lanceros. Oh, the Lanceros. And uh, I remember right around that time was you guys were telling us the story of the the break in that you guys had in the warehouse, mm-hmm. and a, a lot of the cigars were stolen. Um, that's it. Just I just remembered like that. That's what we talked about last time. Uh, and it's funny how you guys leaned into that too. And I remember you guys had it on the band too with the. Uh, if I remember correctly, you guys had like hammers or something like on the band or something or like something. There was that was the uh, the sledgehammer. The Mondaria. yeah, the sledgehammer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. That was cool. I like how you guys like you leaned into that. Like it's 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 kind of a sucky situation, but it's like, hey, well, you know, we have a story to tell now. So. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. In fact, uh, to give a little bit of a quick anecdote, it almost happened again. Uh, as really? Of about a month ago. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We got a quick little scare. My father was up in Nashville with my mother, uh, just visiting accounts and whatnot, and it was about ten o'clock at night. I was sitting outside, go figure, smoking a cigar. And uh, I got the notification on my phone, quickly rushed over to the office, and thankfully everything was intact, but the alarm went off twice. So uh, we're much more prepared now than we were back in the day, God knows. But even then, yeah, um, it was still a little bit of a scare, and thankfully nothing came of it. I think me arriving there, especially the cops were right around the corner, they also swung by, and maybe that helped alleviate what could have happened. But, um, But yeah, I believe there was a secondary attempt, so to speak. Well, I mean, you can never be too careful, and and of course, these things happen. I know, I think Christian Aroa had that happen to him around the same time yours happened too. Um, yeah. Which also, I think he also was distributing for Patoro at the time, so some of those cigars were stolen. So um, it's crazy, you know. You, you hear these stories, and then and then, you know, recently you had uh, the fire at William Ventura which yeah. most people I think have heard about now. I mean, that's, that's devastating too. So, and that's arguably, I mean, that's worse. I mean, they, they lost their entire infrastructure. I mean, that's, it's really hard to come back from that too. I mean, that's, that's gotta be a, that's gotta be a fear for every, everybody with a factory, right? It's just something like that happens and, and you can never be too careful, but at the same time, you also, when it happens, you never see it coming too. So yeah, uh, that's, that's crazy. It's very much uh, expecting the unexpected, and once the unexpected arrives, it's then how do you tackle that going forward, right? Um, so I can I can't even imagine. I remember hearing of that and just thinking, holy cow! I mean, that's you know, God bless him. Truth be told. Yeah, there's some cigar lines that shortly after were announced from like Caldwell and Bellato that make cigars in that factory. They were just discontinued because you know they just they just they can't. So that's very unfortunate so yeah this you from you know you always hear these stories of these things that happen in the industry fires you know curing barns catch fire and mm-hmm. factories burn down warehouses get broken into or your stuff just it gets damaged in transit going through customs i remember one of the conversations we had was there was some cigars we had that had holes in them and uh you told us the the story of how yeah we've been getting a lot of you know searches you know through customs and they just drill right through the boxes and then go okay there's nothing here and they still send the product along well now it's trash to oh. you so um how how often how often does that happen where you get in damaged inventory like that 
You would be very surprised, folks. Uh, in relation to that, it hasn't been happening as much lately, uh, thankfully, better said. But it still does occur from time to time. You'll see the green packaging tape all over one of your boxes. We're supposed to get a new shipment in of Sangre Nueva, as a matter of fact, uh, tomorrow, if not next week. So I'll go on ahead and if anything else, send you some photos. When that does happen, our main issue last time around was it's simple to go on ahead, take off the actual wrapping of the box, open it up, and then maybe take one cigar from the batch just to see if it carries anything and then move forward. Um, at this day and age, there's a technology for that in relation towards if there's some na narcotics to be found, you'll find them. Going through and bashing the boxes in, drilling a million holes into the box, I mean, those are things that personally were unethical, in my opinion, and didn't make much sense. If you wanted to, or if you had the technology, better said, to look into that sort of stuff, then why the heck you go through all this process and destroy product that we put money down for, uh, a product that did not come cheap? Um, as chip costs, there's all sorts of things you need to take into account when they fly into the States. Um, and it's almost as if you can't really do anything about it, considering it's customs. The most you can do is complain about it and get put on their bad list. And now they're doing it a plethora of times more so than they're already doing it. The most recent drilling out of the boxes, I'd say, was last week, um, to which we brought in a bunch of products uh, that we needed, we genuinely did need. And it's a good thing that we're running out, but it's a bittersweet thing. And uh, only three of the boxes were damaged, thank God. But it, it varies very much so, Matt. And you, you brought up a good point, too. You're like, you know, we as manufacturers, you know, you put money down on this inventory, you know, to, to, to make it, ship it, get it in, to turn around and make a profit on it. I mean, it's the basics of business, but, you know, you're mm -hmm. right. You put money down on it. So, I mean, it's 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 disappointing when you, you get inventory in and, you know, you have a loss off of something that's what I would say is kind of careless. Yeah, if there's other options, it's it's carelessness of like, well, let's just do this and, and move on. It's like, well, I just not because of anything else other than just customs decided to drill through my product. You know, now you have a, a, a loss depending on how much your product was damaged. And you guys are probably yeah. already have other logistical issues that you deal with with things getting damaged or lost along the way or stuff get, that gets damaged once it gets out of the container or before it goes in the container or if it's in the factory and then you got to take that into consideration it's like it's avoidable right it's one of those things that's so avoidable that it's disappointing when you see it happen because it's like you know you guys i'm sure have enough other issues that you have to worry about logistically especially in a day and age where you know um yeah i mean you need inventory and inventory i mean uh, even for a brand your size, I mean, you guys are selling a lot of cigars, and you know you, you run low, you run low on inventory, and then you're, you're waiting on this next batch, and you you know you have a certain amount that you anticipate, you know, that lands on the other side that you can take and then distribute, and then there's a percentage that oh no that's gone. So when we had maybe 40 boxes to send to an account, well you're only getting you know 30 now or 28 because you know we had so many cases destroyed or damaged or lost or whatever, um, which in itself is frustrating the whole distribution i can't remember are you guys self-distributing or do you work with someone else for distribution we self-distribute so that quite literally happens right here in miami we're about 15 minutes away from the office uh, the majority of what comes out uh, if it's not international comes out specifically from our office space yes sir so who primarily oversees most of the distribution aspect does your dad kind of handle that or well, we both do to a degree. I, I like to take manual inventory whenever I can, and my father's the one to then take that inventory in relation towards not having product or it running dangerously low, to which then he'll write up the email, send it to my grandfather. My grandfather will send us the transcript of what's going to be sent over to us, 
And then, uh, lo and behold, we just wait and it becomes a waiting game. But that becomes a both of us, so to speak. I tend to handle a lot of the orders in relation towards typing them up, actually creating them and so forth and sending the emails out to our clients. Whereas my father is very big on keeping everything intact and keeping everything organized in our office space. So it's very much a, a dual sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I talking to, you know, like John Carney is a friend of mine and, um, you know, from the floor Dominicana and, and talking mm -hmm. to him about the, the way that they do things and stuff like that. And I remember seeing it firsthand, like going down to his office down in Miami and, uh, or it, I, they're in Coral Gables actually, I think. And, yeah. um, and like listening to him, like talk to, you know, answer phone calls and questions on product and like for, I, for like two days straight. I remember one, at one point I just looked down and I was like, dude, I have a whole new respect just for what you do. <laughs> Not that I didn't before, but like now that I've just seen it, he's like, dude, you have no idea what I deal with. <laughs> like it it, it, it's the little things though, right? It's not like so-and-so needs to place an order. They write up the order. They send it out. Done. That's easy. It's no, it's, it's the little things. It's, it's, you know, the, the, the people who call and they're looking for stuff that they already said they didn't have or something gets lost and someone's expecting a shipment. It's like, well, it went out this morning and he's like it's just it's all day <laughs> so no it is it's it, the distribution part of it is you know you have cigar making the tobacco growing which is the art of itself right that's a whole science by itself then you have to yeah. sell the cigars you got to get them to your retailers you got to you know place the orders that's the other part of it too and i think you know we're talking to other manufacturers who have kind of always made cigars or sold tobacco just to other brands never really doing brands themselves uh, but then, you know, look at like Placencia and, and even the Venturas, you know, they started making their own product lines. And I remember when those guys come on the show, it's like, yeah, learning that curve of taking the product, which it was always for us about making the product and, and, you know, selling it to someone else or just making, you know, something that was ordered. Now it's like, we have our own thing. We have to market it. We have to distribute it and, you know, do all that part of ourselves. And it's, it's, it's a whole new thing that I know a lot of people say it's just, it takes a lot of time to figure out when you haven't been doing that part of the business. So yeah, uh, it is, it's, it's, it's very involved. Uh, we do have a question from the chat here from Raphael being a family that's in the industry since 1881. How do you feel about the actual cigar makers market? Should the industry go back to cigar making art? Interesting. Um, in relation towards cigar making arts, although, frankly, I would like to see more of it in this day and age, I, I do feel as if there is a lack of beautiful creation when it comes to the arts, especially considering cigar making is an art form. Uh, I do find there to be a hefty lack of that. However, that also is incorporated in the box, in the packaging, that sort of thing, too, and in the band itself, depending on the brand maker, right, or, uh, or the manufacturer for this, uh, for this example as well. And how do I feel about the actual cigar makers market? I think in this day and age, it's fairly solid. And I say that because, and you know this because we've mentioned this before on the show, um, I really do feel as if we're living in this mini cigar boom. You're going to find a lot of great product out there. Uh, a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, boutique product that is really amping up the game. Um, a lot of the big boys that are much more established are also putting on their A-game as well. So you have this diversity to be had and you can go for the either complex yet cost-effective boutique cigar or the more uh, luxurious one that's much more well-known and both will smoke amazingly it just becomes a matter of preference at that point so I think the cigar making market as of right now is solid it's doing really well do you think there's too many brands on the market today and it being too many cigars on the market for 
from the consumer's perspective, right? Is there are there too many choices out there for for consumers, or um, or do you think that it's it's great to have the amount of diversity and um, options that are out there? I I like the fact that there's a plethora of brands to choose from. Um, in relation towards, I just realized I said brands, brands. Pardon me. Um, but when it comes to being a consumer, having that availability or, or that choice really is amazing. There's a lot of great stuff out there you can find. Um, most of the cigar at this point in relation towards the blending process, uh, we say this all the time in relation towards my family, cigars don't grow on the moon. So what you're smoking now is a reinvention of the wheel. Um, where I do have my quarrels are the gents that, let's say, have the factory, similar towards ourselves, right, that just mass-produce cigars, and next thing you know, you have a very oversaturated market. Um, it doesn't allow these cigars themselves to stand on their own. At the very least, give it within a year. I mean, it's something that we tend to do. We'll launch uh, a cigar quite literally once a year, even though we have the factory. We're not the biggest fan of going on ahead and pumping out, let's say, six different new lines and just oversaturating everything. So now you look at us, we're 50 lines deep, and you don't really know where to begin. Um, none of the cigars have caught the legs that they rightfully deserve at that moment. Pardon me if you hear the plane. Um, it's really not bad. It's not as bad. Okay, no. perfect. So uh, that's a very interesting question. Uh, to come to a conclusion, I really do believe that it's good in terms of a consumer standpoint to have all the brands available to them because it gives them a lot of choice, and that's very important. Yeah, and, it, and it's funny, you even mentioned like the big boys too, right? I mean, you know, Dan Thompson from McAuliffe is here. You know, McAuliffe is, is, a, is a smaller but a growing steadily company in brand. They've made a lot of changes. They've been doing a lot of other things. They've had great social outreach with their ambassador program and social media and all this. You know, Juan Lopez chimed in here from Gurkha. Gurkha is a big company. They've been around a mm -hmm. while. Um, most people know the name. Um, it's funny, we, we have seen even the big manufacturers make a lot of changes and, and change the way – they market and, and do certain things um, to not. I think mostly. I don't want to say stay relevant, but at, at the same time, that's kind of what it is. Not that they really have a, a struggle with that. I think with some of those brands that have maybe been around for a while. I mean, even your brand. I mean, Casa Cuevas is you know said before it's been around since 1881. Um, I think it's not so much staying relevant in general. It's it's you know as we talked about that new generation. It's like that new generation comes up, making sure that that brand gets carried down to a new demographic as it continues to age and doesn't just stick with a generation that slowly dies off and then all of a sudden you have this consumer base that just drops off because it never really expanded down to the younger generations. So I think that's a huge part of what they're doing. And then the smaller brands are just basically trying to get themselves out there as a, as a whole. I think that for a lot of the smaller brands that are growing right now, and correct me if I'm wrong or if maybe you guys see this differently, I think that you know as you talked about this like little boom that's happening, for brands that are starting to lay their bricks down and really grow and, and swing into a, a big growth, uh, on that on that rise to the to the, the top so to speak it's a great time for that because there's so many more smokers now than there were when a lot of these other brands were trying to grow and oh, yeah. i feel like do you feel like maybe it'll be easier for brands to grow even quicker quicker uh, quicker sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> grow even quicker um right now versus maybe the last boom that happened you know 25 30 years ago you know what, that's that's actually very, and this is the first time I've been asked that. It's an interesting question, and the reason I say that is because, although, yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly, there are a lot more cigar smokers, I think, coming into the fray now than ever before. I still believe, and we're very much fond of saying that this is a marathon, not a sprint. 
Um, just because there are much more cigar smokers and there might be more demands doesn't mean that the supply being pumped out is fitting their palate. It, it really does depend on the smoker, how experienced or better said, how how curious they are to pick up something new and add that towards their repertoire. Um, but this, once again, is a great time to be a cigar smoker. If you are a boutique brand coming into the fray of things, you're definitely going to find yourself some sort of market. So long as you have the capital to sustain and a certain overhead where you can do that distribution, you are at the very least are going to go on ahead and find that some sort of basis where your footprint will be left in a certain territory. Yeah, I mean, watching a lot of these brands emerge in the last couple of years alone, I mean, you know, last week we had um, Brandon from uh, Apostate Cigars on. That, that's a new brand. They made their show debut this year with mm-hmm. some new cigars. They have the, the Feathered Serpent, which is awesome. That's a candela that they make that is sold out. You can't get it, according to Brandon. They're getting more, but they're sold out right now. Uh, so when they come back and stock, check those out. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're seeing a lot of these brands coming out. I, I feel like there's a talking with some of these like really small brands that are just kind of coming out right now. Um, most of the time it's a lot of younger people. I feel like there's a sense of kind of going along with what we talked about before with the, the access to the information or the access just to, you know, the media stuff that's online. I feel yeah. like there's a lot of people out there who are, who are finding it. Not that it is, but I think there's people who have less fear of starting a brand because they're able to get so much information now just by watching shows like this or just reading articles online and doing mm-hmm. things in their shops and stuff that people are feeling more confident because they're getting more information than I think they used to get. You know, and I'm talking about the average consumer who, you know, then turns and goes, I want to start a brand myself. I want to start a cigar. I want to come up with something. Uh, even if it's something really small, I feel like I'll, I'll, there's there's more of a... Um, what am I looking for? There's more of an influence on starting a brand now as well than there was yeah. before. I think before it was like starting a brand seemed like, oh, you got to know someone. Now, I mean, you're seeing you're seeing regular people start brands now who don't have any family in the business or don't, you know, they're, you know, they don't, they don't grow tobacco. They don't know nothing about tobacco, but they'll go down, they learn, they work with someone, they find a factory they like to kind of mentor them and, and, and do this. And, and, they're, and they're coming out with cigars. And uh, it, it is, it's crazy to see. Uh, just, yeah. just, just so much more going on too. Uh, we had another question in here. I, I don't know. There it is. Right here. Uh, Rafael asks you again, what would you say Sangre Nueva, your blend, has to offer to the cigar smoker? So this is something uh, viably saying, if you have smoked Casaguevas before, we tend to say this a good amount, but this cigar really is the ringer for it. It is something completely different, completely different from our lineup. The secret's found within the filler. That being said, the cigar brings a lot of complexity, and it's something that uses a specific type of tobacco that people genuinely adore or people really are repulsed by, and I wanted to find that nice medium in between. So it's out now, so I will go on ahead and say what it is unless you want me to hold back, Matt. No, go right ahead. Let's do it. Right on. So it was our first time ever using Cameroon. It's Ecuadorian Cameroon in terms of the wrapper. The binder on the inside is that Corojo binder from Honduras, uh, which goes back to our second latest project, so to speak, the Patrimonio of as of last year that was launched, which was our first time ever using Corojo. And the kicker and towards what makes Sangre Nueva Sangre Nueva is the tiniest sliver of Kentucky fire-cured tobacco. Now, 
that being said, it's something that I know for a fact personally, for example, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, I believe it to be very potent and extremely overwhelming. Uh, it, it amounts towards a cigar, in my personal opinion, to have very much one note all the way through. And although it's constant and relatively consistent, I, I like to shoot for something with a little more oomph that has a nice transition to it that you can pick up more notes from. Henceforth, Sangre Nueva really only carries a sliver, so much so there's not even a percentage to be had in regards to it. What this does is it brings you that sensation of roasted almonds on the initial light, and that's why I always say that at the very least give it a cool draw, because maybe you'll pick up on it if you have smoked a Kentucky Fire Cure before. But once you light it, especially in that Vitola you guys are smoking right now, the Double Perfecto, you get to the shoulder and the rest of the flavors open up on you. So now you're no longer tasting just straight Kentucky Fire Cured. You're tasting a lot more of what the cigar has to offer. I'd say this is the most full flavor that we've carried in terms of our line currently. And I believe it will be still, even though we have future projects in the works. So that's really what separates Sangre Nueva from something else is the inclusion of that Kentucky Fire Cured, something that I know a lot of people are... Uh, myth about using considering it's very overwhelming at times depending on how you use it sure absolutely i mean it's it's a very distinct flavor profile and i think mm -hmm. you you kind of hit it you know it, if you're not used to it or if you don't like it even a small amount can really throw you off or throw off your taste or um you know there's there's some other cigars out there obviously that that use a, a little bit of kentucky fire cured in the blend um, you know, to, to change the dynamic of it. I, uh, I like how you, you know, you said like, it's, it's a sliver. It's not even a percentage. It's just, it's just like a little bit in there just for like a little bit of seasoning. It's not even like, it's like half the filler or it's like a quarter of the yeah. filler. Or it's like one of three things. It's, it's just like a little, a little bit of extra salt on top. Well, right. I would have never picked up on it, but now that you've said it, it enhances the depth of flavor. Right. So it gives it just more it's funny you bring that up nicole because that's like one of those things where and we're always afraid of that which is why i wanted this to be very much an educational standpoint when it comes to the smoke was a notion that i gave it almost as a homework assignment especially at other events to which i'd hand it off and i'd be like i'm not going to tell you what's inside the filler there is something peculiar and uh an american that's hmm. found inside the filler that changes the blend uh significantly so truth be told from what it used to be in the initial blending process give it a go. Maybe you'll pick up on it. And if you don't, I'll tell you the secret after the fact. I want to say during that quote unquote homework assignments, four people got it off the bat out of the hundreds I've handed the cigar to, uh, which is very peculiar. It goes to show you those individuals that genuinely love the stuff. And there's some individuals that really didn't like it, but could taste it enough to know that, oh my gosh, I know what this is. I've had a bad experience with this, but the cigar is very complex in the sense where it brings a lot of nuance and i don't just taste kentucky fire cured i love it um i've been hearing nothing but good accolades in relation to that stuff but that fear factor is mentioning it and now having that being rotating in your head like oh am i supposed to taste it next thing you know you're tasting it you know like that sort of thing um it very much so has that tiniest sliver like the truth be told it's not necessarily we're not saying it just so you can like taste it it's very much the tiniest sliver so much so that for the rollers in particular how they work with cigars is they'll we'll give them certain fillers that they bunch up and they'll start loading up the cigar. That being said, there's going to be holes inside the cigar. So they'll go on ahead and they'll, they'll fill that in with the tobacco of their choosing based off the filler. With the Kentucky Fire Cured, it's so potent that we quite literally only give them that little strip and that's all they have to play with. If that changed in the slightest, the cigar would not be what it is. Every cigar would be inconsistent. So we have to be super specific in relation towards how or what we're giving to our rollers. 
where did you so during the blending process when you're coming up with this blend and you mentioned before you're not a fan of it at all uh but where but where did that idea come from like you know what well let's try this so initially uh, this took about 14 blends to make it took us eight months that being said uh one through four number three really stood out to me and number three is the one that they all carried ecuadorian cameroon but number three carried that corojo binder so the aroma already from the foot, if you were to so much as smell it without even lighting it up, you could tell that it was going to be different based off its nuance. And I kept on gravitating back towards number three as my comparison. So we'd come out with another four, and then I'd find myself going back to number three and so forth. It got to a point where I didn't know what else it really needed. And in relation towards my palate, I'm very much all over the place. I am not picky when it comes to cigars, although I'm a relatively picky individual, interestingly enough. And I sat down with my grandfather and told him I really didn't know where to go with this, um, especially considering at that point in time, we were seven months deep into the project. And I thought that was way too long at the very least to start this blending process. And my grandfather pulled me back and pardon me if I do get a little sentimental here, that my great grandfather had an amazing palate. I, he was the type of guy that he could hold a tobacco leaf. And I mentioned this before to you guys to the moonlight and quite literally tell you what season it was planted. Uh, he just had that general knowledge and that infatuation and passion for cigars. Right. My grandfather doesn't speak of the past very often. It's something that for him is a very soft touch note. So to get him to talk about that was a huge deal already. And that being said, after he mentioned the story, he told me that my father, albeit a tremendous palate, doesn't have a palate like I do considering how many cigars that I've smoked, especially working on the retail side of things, what I can genuinely pick up in terms of notes. Um, it's something that I've been essentially the right-hand man to my grandfather from the Mandaria onward. So for the Patrimonio, for the Reserva series, and now with San Nueva being my own blend. When he told me that, beyond tearing up and crying, because um, that meant the world to me, uh, he very much is one of my biggest titles, um, I asked him what we had that was experimental what we had in relation towards tobacco that he didn't even conceive or, or better said he didn't put down on that sheet of paper that I could play with. And uh, he gave me another listing. He brought me the actual tobacco in question. And I remember smelling the Kentucky Fire Creed. I was like, you know what? Why not? These next four blends, let's just add the different experimental tobacco to it in terms of the filler and see how it works. Then blend number 10 and 11 came out. Blend number 11 carried 5% Kentucky Fire Creed. That's all you could taste. My mom is a sucker for that Kentucky Fire Cured. She loves that barbecue sensation, that roasted sensation. So for her, number 11 was winner, winner, chicken dinner. Um, and I remember her telling me, you've hit a home run with this, you hit a home run with this. And personally, for me, considering my bias, I guess, in a way, towards Kentucky Fire Cured, I was like, I don't, I, don't, I don't want this. But smoking number 10, and number 10 came out, the first one, the fresh one in that double perfecto, once I, I was able to taste it and everything else, and it got to the shoulder, the flavors that came in, I, I fell in love with it. I genuinely fell in love with it. Yeah, it's one of those things where, truth be told here, even if you're not the biggest fan of the tobacco, how you reinvent the wheel makes all the difference in the world when it comes to the blending process. And that's how we stuck with Sangre Nueva. And Sangre Nueva ended up becoming number 10. Had it not been for that little moment of asking for the experimental tobacco that we've had left over, I don't think this blend would be what it was, or what it is, better said. It's uh, it's always interesting to hear about what goes on in the blending process, right? Because there's so many different test blends that get made, and there's different percentages of different tobaccos that come in and out. And uh, you know, like we were talking to Steve Soccer a few weeks ago, and I mean, you want to talk about test blends? I mean, 
<laughs> he gets up into the 40s, right? I mean, 40s, oh, yeah. 50s. <laughs> I mean, holy shit. <laughs> I mean, that's a guy who he you loves making smoke. He loves he loves making test blends. I'll tell you that. I mean, he you know he enjoys it. But no, I mean it's look it's a process. And you know I've talked to you know a few other people who are in a similar position uh, that you were in with your cigar blending a cigar. And I'm saying like yeah, like I went in and I told my dad I wanted to do this. And then it was like all right, well you're gonna sit down, you're gonna try, you know, every leaf we have, and then go from there. And and it's it is it's a process, and you have to get it to what you like, and you have to just kind of whittle it down i guess so to speak in terms of you know when you when you find the tobaccos you want to use then you have to kind of whittle it down to how much of what and where you want to put it in the blend and then before you actually go okay this is what i want and now we got to make it um that's a process that could take you know months you know correct me if i'm yeah. wrong that you know just to oh, you're very right. just just to just to figure that out before you can even do anything else with the blend just figure out what the blend is going to be and, and how to make it work um which is you know the art in itself right um, mm. and for you to be able to work with you know, your dad and your grandfather on, on that stuff is, is huge. Um, ha having that resource there is, is definitely a huge advantage. I have not taken it for granted in the slightest. In fact, that you're completely right. I, I like to compare it towards in a way, writing an essay. Uh, it's, it's very easy to go on ahead and write the body once you have the prompts, but starting it is always the most difficult part, at least in my personal opinion, cigars are very similar in that regard. Um, just because you have this basis and yet the blend itself hasn't been necessarily created, you have ample tobacco to play with. So now it's a matter of where do you go with this? What, do you want something that's much more in strength? Uh, do you want something with darker tones in terms of notes? Do you want something that's much more creamy and just adds a lot of complexity? Uh, what are you shooting for? The project initially was going to be something that I wanted full bodied, uh, to which I think we settled on a medium to medium plus, but it's very much full in flavor. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can taste it slightly myself, the Kentucky Fire Cured in the cigar. For me, though, it's it's a taste of it. You can taste it mixed in with other things. It's not, it doesn't stand out by itself. It doesn't overpower. It doesn't, like you were saying before, it's not like it's like, oh, there it is. And it's just, it's ruined the rest of the taste because it just, it took control of the flavor, right? It, you know it's there, but it, it's there in a way where you do taste it mixed with the other tobaccos mixed together blended together um you know it, it's not a, a single note you pick it up on the on the smoke and the aroma too just ever yeah. so lightly like on the end it's 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 there it's like a little reminder like there it is right there um and it's nice i like it has a nice aroma to it it has a nice flavor to it i like the way it's balanced uh you know especially working with cameroon too i mean cameroon is also a a tobacco leaf that can be tricky to work with as well so you have that aspect to it too so i mean this is a pretty unique and particular little blend you have here and it, and it works pretty well um i want to i, I want to I, I circle back to it but i want to hit our news segment first our news is once again brought to you by mccallif cigars if you head over to mccallifcigars.com today you can sign up to become an official mccallif ambassador and while you're at it head over to facebook and join the mccallif ambassador group it's always a great time smoking mccallif cigars uh, we have a couple of things that are on the news docket this week in terms of products that have gone out or are going to be available. First thing is from United Cigar, um, the Byron 19th Century, the well, the 19th Century Byron Epique Poema 30 Count Humidor is scheduled to begin shipping the first week of November, debuting at the 2022 PCA Trade Show in Las Vegas. The 19th Century Byron Epique Poema's Humidor ships with 30 cigars inside a carton of 50 cigars to refill. 
Aged for four years post-roll, the Apique Poema cigars are part of the 19th century blend by Nelson Alfonso of Select Tobacco and feature a dark, oily Ecuadorian wrapper. Um, those will be going out to your uh, local United... Sorry, I can't even like get this whole thing out. Uh, your local United Retailers... Uh, and that actually has a price point on it, uh, an, an MSRP of $2,960. Um, you have the 30-count humidor, but 80 cigars total. So it, quite a little pricey, but I'll tell you, I've had those cigars. They're fantastic. So if you can pony it up, that's a great set. I, we've seen it. I believe it's on our PCA coverage for United, this, or Selected, rather, on the Selected Tobacco page on our on SmokerTobacco.com. You can see photos of it. It's all there. Uh, the news story will be up later this evening. The other thing that was worth mentioning is Drew Estate's Liga Pravada Unico Serie UF4 returns exclusively once again for Casa de Monte Cristo in Chicago. Since 2010, Casa de Monte Cristo in Countryside, Illinois has been the exclusive home for Drew Estate's annual limited edition Liga Pravada Unico Serie UF4 at 6x52 Toro. As in previous years, the 2022 UF4 will debut during Casa de Monte Cristo's annual Halloween costume party, which the store will host on October 27th. So check those out. I believe also... They had the a couple of them in the um, the D twenty five set. They did. Yeah, I think there was some UF fours uh, in there as smoker. well. Yep. Um, also for the Pancetta smokers, the Pancetta uh, Liga Pravada Unico Pancetta, which is um, also going to be coming out soon. Uh, wooden Indian tobacco, uh, or wooden Indian cigars in Pennsylvania. That one is also coming out. So there's some couple of the. More limited ligas that come out this time of year. They are now going back out, so go ahead and check those out if you're a Liga Pravada fan, and as well as those Apic Byron, the Byron Apic Poemas are going out as well. Those are fantastic cigars. Um, Alec, you're back. Thank you for sticking with us as we get through our news for the week. I know it's a lot there that we get through, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to hear about it as well. I mean, I'm very interested. So there's always awesome. stuff coming out. Yeah, there's always stuff coming out, and it's it's a lot, and it's. And this is why I said to you before, like, do you find that there's just too many cigars out there? I Look, there's a lot of great cigars out there. But for me, it's like, you know, I joke with Coop and, and some of the other guys about this a lot, like Mitchell and, and everyone. like, the, And even with Nicole, like, it's there's so many things that people ask you, like, oh, did you have so-and-so cigar? And it's like, no. And they look at you like, what? And it's like, yeah, but have you had these 30 cigars? And they're like, no. And I'm like, exactly. I mean, there's just there's so many cigars to get to all the time. Uh, it's, it's, it's challenging. Um, it's... But like you said, you know, it's great for the industry and there's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, mm -hmm. As we get down to uh, where are we at for time? Okay. Yeah, we're almost there. And we have a few minutes left. So before we uh, before we wrap up, we want to finish up with the the Sanguine Nueva. So uh, I know you mentioned you have some other things that you're working on, too. Are there going to be plans to expand the Sanguine Nueva line in, in different varieties? Or is this going to be kind of a, a blend that kind of sticks on its own and you guys are going to do different projects moving forward? This is going to be something that sticks on its own. Uh, we wanted to catch its own two feet. My father brought up a good point a little bit after PCA saying, if you had come out, let's say, your first cigar ever as a dud or a cigar that not a lot of individuals would have enjoyed, then the next project you come out with, you can't simply sit there and say, don't worry, guys, the first one might have been, you know, crap, but the second one's going to be better. You know, it's like that sort of thing. Right. Um, the, the next projects are going to be a lot more traditional. Um, something that we've already been toying with for a good amount of time, one of which that we've been desperately trying to complete for the longest time. Uh, so I don't mind talking about that one, which is the Mandaria Oscuro. We wanted it initially with Matafina, 
Um, but finding Brazilian tobacco these days, at least for us anyway, is fairly difficult. So we kind of have to, going back to it, reinventing the wheel. Um, but we do want to give it a, a brother counterpart if we can. Something on the darker tone and a lot more full-bodied, a little less spice. So the one following that is very much a tribute to my grandfather. And I can't speak too much about that guy just yet. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, a timeline on when we might hear about it, though? Is this something that might be coming out soon, or is this something that's down the road? This is something that we're thinking about pitching down the road. Uh, the reason being is because we want necessarily for not only just for Sangat and Rebel to catch its own two feet, but uh, with next year's launch most likely at TPE, we want the Mandarria Oscuro to be obviously showcased if we can. Um, and that's if time permits, and that's if we get the proper blend down pat. It's something that we've been working on now for about a year and a half. Uh, we're very, very peculiar with this particular blend. Um, and it falls honestly down to me and trying to get it to be different yet somewhat similar in the sense where you'd find uh, the Reserva series, let's say, which is a much more refined version of tobacco, but both at the very least carry an allure binder, right? Uh, one might be a Connecticut, Maduro, so forth. So I want to find that tie, but finding that tie has been very, very difficult in relation towards how a Habano Oscuro works in terms of wrapper. Um, and in terms of what it provides and how overwhelming it is at times. So that's going to be launching out next year for sure. Uh, this other project that I can't speak too much of, it's most likely going to be launched two years down the line. Um, we have our own personal reasons for that, so to speak, as well. But uh, truth be told, only time will tell at this point. Yeah, interesting. So you guys will be at TP again. Um, and then I, I, I assume you guys will probably be back for PCA again next year. It was great to see you guys at PCA. Um it was nice. You kind of the tone at the at PCA was kind of you were up front. Your dad was kind of taking the back seat for once and kind of like letting you do your thing and really engaging with everyone and, and talking about the cigar and showing the cigar and it was cool. It was it was it uh, was it stressful at all? Was it you know kind of like all right like it, this one's kind of on me now. Uh, I can't fuck this up. <laughs> oh, no, 100%. I was, uh, was nerve-wracked as shit. Um, but <laughs> go figure. I, I do want to mention the utmost respect to my fellow manufacturers. Blending is not an easy process, let alone showcasing something brand new that you're hoping an entire populace of individuals, at least here in the States, are going to enjoy, let alone internationally, right? So that being said, there was very much a stress factor. Um, the days you weren't there, you didn't catch it, but I was on the verge of fainting. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it was just one of those wow. things It hadn't really, yeah, just, it, it happens. It happened not even from the, the not even just from the partying. Oh my God, please. <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those things where I, I, you know, you're 14 cigars deep and you're always active, right? I didn't even get the opportunity much to actually have lunch, which I don't mind at all. That's, that's a part of doing trade shows and whatnot, just to be active, to be informative, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it got to a point where I guess my uh, the sugar that in my system just dropped. So um, I was like on the verge of passing out half the time and trying to keep my composure and stuff like that. And my father would catch wind of it. But I, we had a chat beforehand to which I told him, you know what, like really do leave this upon me. I, I want to leave my footprint as much as I can within this industry. And I think this is a great introduction for that. Um, so all in all, I, as thrilled as I was, you can best believe your bottom dollar. I was stressed out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can imagine, uh, it's, a it's a big, it's a big, it's a big deal, you know I mean? And it's, it's a lot to, uh, to handle, but no, nah, I mean, I, I passed by the booth and we talked a little bit at the trade show and 
you seem to be doing a great job. It was good to see you guys again and um, really excited just to, to see your cigar on display. And it was really cool. I was excited for you. So just congratulations on that. Really, it's the cigar is great. We had a question um, one more time. I think we, we talked about this before the show, but the, the sizes, four sizes, what are those sizes? Uh, yeah, so there's currently three sizes with Sangre Nueva. The first one is a very classical Robusto, a four and three-fourths by 50, which is the one, although it's unbanded, the one I'm smoking now. We also have your traditional Toro in a six by 52. And then the newest size to which you're not going to find it in anything else we currently carry is that six by 58 double perfecto. So those are the three sizes currently now for Sangre Nueva. Uh, whether we expand or not, the Vitolas is another story. We might. Um, I've been thinking of it. However, I don't have reins as of just yet to which what to add. Because if you were to try to do the Sangre Nueva, let's say, in a Corona size, mm -hmm. it smokes vastly different. Vastly different. Um, so it's it's a lot of toying around with to find the different Vitola that we want to add into the line. Sure. Um, so it might just be these three sizes going forward, and that's that. Yeah, time will tell. We'll see what you guys come up with. It's always exciting. Before we go, yeah. we have we have one fun segment for you um kind of take a break from the cigar talk before we wrap up the show and that is our top three segment brought to you by room 101 cigars watch the smoking tobacco show eat your vegetables take your vitamins smoke room 101 <laughs> that's it that's all i love that awesome. sound bite. i love that <laughs> I love that. Like I was, I was telling Brendan last week. I'm like, he didn't even make that for the show. He just, he just happened to just say that during an interview. During an interview, yeah. and I was like, we're gonna steal that clip, and there it is. So, yeah. uh, that's awesome. There's, there's just so many good sound bites from him that you can get. You know what I mean? <laughs> just let him talk for 20 minutes, and you can find enough sound clips to do a whole show. Um, <laughs> it, it really is. It's amazing. Um, now. I know that you you did the uh, the zombie thing with Matt and Garrett on Monday night, I believe. Yes. So I have something that's kind of similar. I don't want to do the same thing because I don't want to steal it from them. But um, it's always about the top three, right? Who are the three? What are the three? Where are the three? So okay. with all of the talk of nuclear weapon use that could be happening in the world, let's say there was a complete global nuclear apocalypse that happens. And you survive, okay. and you now have to live post-bomb dropping in this Fallout kind of world, if you've ever played the game Fallout, and for anyone that mm -hmm. knows what that is. Who are the three people that you'd want to start the new world with you? with For survival, for whatever whatever the reason may be. Who are the three people that are like, this is how we're going to start the new civilization? Me and you three people. Okay, that, wow. Holy hell. Um... That, that's a loaded question. I want. I, I do want to choose one person from the industry, just because considering the post-apocalyptic world, and we're already living in it. Um, Eric Espinosa. He, first and foremost, I mean, although being just a genuinely good friend, he's psychotic in his own right. So should there <laughs> be any mutations or nothing like that? I know Eric is the first to, you know, to give the intimidation factor. I definitely want him on the team. Um, I would say, holy crap, this is this is tough. Um, I'd say, if anything else, Elon Musk. Which, although I'm not particularly, yeah, right. I, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> extremely and particularly uh, fond of, or better said, I don't keep up with them as nearly as often as maybe I should. I don't really know. 
Um, but that being said, he's a brain, and nobody can deny that. Um, so in terms of resourcefulness, I, I feel as if he's a great candidate. Third, in all honesty, would most likely be my mother. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought you maybe um, would have said your dad, but you, you picked your mom. She, because uh, my dad, I, I love my dad to death, but he's old school Cuban tradition. He's very much, oh, you caught the flu, tough it the hell out. You know, it's either that or you die. You figure <laughs> it out. And my mom is the one that's always, you know, she's like, hey, it's been like three years since you visited the doctor. I think it's about time you go. And, you know, she's always keeping me in check. Um, she's very much the sideline of the Casa Cuevas operation and always making sure that me and my dad are. Are, uh, are doing all right. So I know she's got a good head on her shoulders. She's a great asset to the team, that's for sure. So she's like the the gel that keeps it all together. At oh, Casa yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to have that. You got to have that. You need to. Oh, it's, definitely. You got to have, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you and your dad, you just got so much going on. You get in your own head spaces. You need your mom to kind of get in there and be like, you guys need to stop. Yeah, well, back, it happens all down. the time. Uh, <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't for my mom, I, I think uh, my dad, I have this ongoing joke and my dad fires me like seven times within the year. Um, but that's fine. I mean, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. So my mom is very much the uh, the um, the attorney, so to speak, always going up the bat for me and whatnot, which is very nice. And the mediator, too. She has to probably mediate, oh, yeah. too, and get in between. Yeah, it's, it's, and, that, and, and her job, while it may sound small, it's it's no easy task either. I mean, it's, those are big shoes to fill. Um, so, no, that's, that's just something different I wanted to do, something I wanted to play with. But um, no, that, that's going to do it for the top three. So thank you for playing along with that. That was great. Inter- very right. interesting very interesting choices too <laughs> um but no they're great pleasant. good choices just interesting um but no that's gonna do it for the show this week guys um alec thank you for being on the show it, it was great to have you back and it was great to talk to you the cigar is great um i haven't i haven't had the other sizes i look forward to trying the other sizes and seeing how it smokes but this double perfecto is, is great um fantastic cigar so congrats on that and good luck with all the other stuff that you're working on and uh well thank most you. likely we'll, we'll catch up with you at tp as well um and see what you guys bring to the show there but anytime you want to come back obviously you're welcome on the show so thank you once again for being here before we sign off is there anything that you wanted to add to the uh to the broadcast tonight anything you wanted to say yes please if you haven't heard of casa cuevas or if you have if you want to be more informed in relation to what we do at our factory or just in general want to reach out and ask a couple questions you very much can at casacuevascigars.com to find the nearest retailer near you as well as social media platforms as facebook and as Instagram under Casa Cuevas Cigars. We are very diligent and we're more than happy to answer any questions you guys might have. Well said, well said. Yeah, check out Casa Cuevas Cigars. They make some great stuff. They've been around a long time, but they have some really cool stuff that they're working on right now, so definitely check them out. Guys, thank you for being here with us tonight. If you're watching with us, if you're listening to us later, thank you for being here with us later. And as always, no matter how you listen or watch the show, don't forget to like and subscribe social media, YouTube, and everywhere you can get your podcasts on all of the podcast apps. We will be back on Saturday for Spare Notes, although I don't think we're going to be live for Spare Notes on Saturday due to a scheduling um, issue with Coop. I think we actually may be doing the show much earlier in the day. I don't know if we're going to do it live or if we're going to record it and then just premiere it at its, at its regular time. Um, I'll have an update on that. It's kind of a, a last-minute thing that kind of came up, but there will be a spare notes this weekend. I just don't know if it will be live, uh, but it will be there. So don't forget to check that out. And we'll be back next Thursday, same time, same place. And while you're at it, head over to smokeandtobacco.com for more news and updates from the cigar industry. And with that, we say good night, everyone. Take care. Bye.
Thank you for spending your time with us at Smokin' Tobacco. Please remember to like and subscribe for more episodes and content. And as always, visit SmokinTobacco.com for news and updates from the cigar industry.